This is the Trails Church Podcast. At the Trails Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples through the gospel in community and on mission. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website, thetrails.org. Now, here's today's podcast. Take your Bibles if you bought them this morning and open your Bible to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and verse 6. This is my life verse. I have gone to this passage for several decades. I know I don't look that old, but I am that old. Uh, If you don't know me, my name is Charles Boswell. I share the last name of our pastor. He is my and Patty's son, so he is our son and our pastor. And I tell pastors all over that I meet, be nice to your sons. You never know when they're going to become your elder because I am a member of this church. And it's great to stand here today in his absence to be able to open God's Word together, and I'm excited to be here. I come about every year, about this time of the year, at the end of the year. And uh, I happen to be able to come this time on January 1. Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year. Good to see you. Let's try that one more time. Happy New Year. That's a little bit better. All right, what I want us to do this morning is I want us to read this together, out loud, as one family. And I'm going to encourage you, because this is my life verse, if you don't have a life verse, that you adopt this one. I'll share it with you. There are about 800 other Proverbs that you can pick from the book of Proverbs or some Psalms or whatever. And several people after the other service said, I have a different one, and that's fine. But if you don't have one, I'll share this one with you. It's a great verse. It's one that I've gone to many, many times in decisions and difficulties in my life. So let's say this together out loud. Could we do that? All right, it's on the screen. Let's say it together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and he will make straight your path. Now, turn to the person next to you and say, you can do better than that. All right? I know you uh, went to bed late last night. Those of us who went to bed early got woken. Was aw- I was awakened by Penny, uh, our son's dog. We are dog-sitting, and so the, uh, the firecrackers and all that woke her up and, of course, woke us up. So if I fall asleep this morning up here, will somebody wake me up, all right? All right. Mike, would you do that for me, brother? You're the elder. All right. Thank you. All right. So let's say that one more time out loud together. One more time. Let's say it like we mean it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. God, thank you for the joy, the privilege, and the opportunity we have to be in this place this morning as we begin a new year. With incredible anticipation, we look forward to all that you've planned and purposed and predestined for us in the year to come. The years past have brought uncertainties and difficulties and hardships, but Lord, we know that you are at the helm, that you are leading and guiding, that no one can thwart your purposes. And because we know that you already have planned, purpose, and predetermined what 2023 will bring, I pray that we would look at this verse with new insight that we would adopt the principles and precepts in this proverb, that we might be able to begin the new year looking to you, leaning on you, putting our confidence, faith, hope, trust, and belief in you and in you alone. Lord, we may, may we not look to our own, under, own understanding as we face whatever it is that is going to come in 2023. May we continually rely upon you and look to you as the power, the source behind the lives that we live. Because, Lord, we, even though we have responsibilities, can only receive what you have planned for us. We cannot manifest our own future to 
manifest our own reality, but only you and you alone can. And yet we have responsibilities to walk and to live by faith. So help us learn and help us to apply what we hear today from your spirit, from your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. A couple of decades ago, seems like more than that, I remember coming home from South America, Brazil. My parents were international missionaries with the International Mission Board of Southern Baptist Convention. I had, at 18 years old, not yet driven a car. Brazil is a third world country at the time, and uh, we only could afford one car as a missionary family. And so I had not sat behind a wheel until I was 18 years old. We came to the States in Grand Prairie, Texas. I bought a Ford Pinto. Anybody know what that looked like? Man, I thought that was an awesome vehicle. It was my first. And uh, my father took me into the parking lot of a church and instructed me how to navigate that Ford Pinto on that parking lot. It wasn't long after, you know, all the instructions that a father would give to his son as he is about to venture on his own into the wild, wild traffic of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and it was a much smaller town at that time. Uh, I eventually took the driver's test, and uh, it was a written test back then. It was not on computer. Yes, I did that pre-computer days, if you can imagine, and uh, then took the driver's test and then got my driver's license, and I was ready to go. I can't imagine, as I drove off that first day, what my father must have thought as he saw me drive off into the wild, wild traffic of the Dallas-Fort Worth area back in that time. Well, since then, it's gotten a little bit worse, has it not? And uh, it wasn't a few decades later into the future that your pastor, our son, Matt, I found myself sitting in a parking lot behind the steering wheel of our vehicle in DeSoto, Texas, instructing him as a father would as to how to navigate through the traffic of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Put both hands on the wheel, you know, back that time, watch the radio and keep your eyes straight ahead and all those things that fathers instruct their children, hoping that they'll listen and learn from your experience and then Watching him drive off after he passed his written test, your pastor is that old, he passed a written test and then passed a driving test and then got his driver's license and Patty and I watched him drive off on his own, praying and hoping that he had learned and listened and would follow the instructions that we had given him. A couple of decades later, our son, now a father, is teaching his son Caden how to drive. I can't tell you how scary that is as a grandparent watching your grandson learn how to drive. The first time I saw him driving up with dad in the driver's seat, I was freaking out because I'm not that old to have a grandson that can drive. But the traffic has gotten a lot worse in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, hasn't it? I don't know how many of us risked our lives just coming to church this morning off of Preston, Preston Road, right? How many of you got run over several times almost coming to church? If you don't know who I'm talking about, you are that person. <laughs> so, um, yeah, sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, Caden is at that age. And the shocking thing as a grandparent, though, is to see Jamie put photographs of Avery and Addie behind the wheel of an automobile. Now, that's, I don't know about you, but... 
Salina, Texas is hard enough, much less any of the interstates around here. People are nuts. And I'm sure that Matthew is taking all the precautions he can as a father to instruct his son and his daughters how to drive. Because the reality is that most accidents, they say, happen because of human error. And we certainly don't want that to be our children or grandchildren. It's not our children or grandchildren we don't trust. It's the other drivers, right? And so the instruction keeps passing down from generation to generation. In the book of Proverbs, we have King Solomon, who is the son of King David, writing the book of Proverbs out of life experiences that he has had to instruct his son as carefully as he can to navigate through the dangers and the difficulties of life. And through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God inspires Solomon to write to his son Rehoboam these life experiences that are principles and precepts. They're proverbs that we can learn from because they come from God's inerrant, infallible, and holy word that we can live by and apply. And in these instructions are invaluable insights and truths that if applied into our lives will benefit us, bring blessings to us, and great enjoyment. And in this proverb, which I wish we had time to look at all of verses 13, uh, I think the first 12 verses of Proverbs 3, there are six proverbs with six promises. And because of time's sake, we're only going to look at the one, which is my life verse today. And, and, and the reason why we're looking at it is because this is the first day of 2023. We have 200 and how many more days left in the year? Come on, do the math. 364 more days. And we are going to be challenged to navigate through the difficulties, through the decisions, through the things that are going to happen to us that may be expected, some unexpected, some unplanned for, some unpredictable. We don't know what is coming in 2023, but we do know who our Heavenly Father is. And we can come to His instruction in His Word, not only in the book of Proverbs, but throughout the Bible. And learn valuable insights that if we will learn from him and implement them into our lives, we can navigate through whatever comes in 2023 well. And so as we look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I want us to look at four basic principles that I believe will help us begin the new year on the right foot. That first principle is found in verse 5. We navigate what's next by recognizing the sovereignty of God recognizing the sovereignty of God. And I know this is an educated church. I don't have to tell you what sovereignty means, but it basically means that he is reigning and ruling as the supreme ruler on the throne, that he has the right to dictate and determine as our sovereign God how we are to live our lives. And what God instructs us first in this parable is not an option for us. It is basically a command that he gives us. He starts off with the word trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That word trust means to put confidence, means to put faith, means to put your belief in and hope in God. That word trust is an imperative, and because it is imperative, it is a command. And as a command, it is not an option for us whether or not those of us who call him God our Father to heed to what he is instructing us to do. He is commanding us to put our trust in him. He is the object of our trust. Because if you notice, trust in, a 
preposition of direction, we are to put our trust, our confidence, our faith, our hope, our belief in Him, in God, in Yahweh, and in no one else. The problem we often have is in regard to trust, is we often want to put our trust, our faith, our hope, our belief in something or someone else other than God, if not ourselves. And God says that he exclusively is to be the one in which we are to put our trust in. He is the object of our trust. And as the object of our trust and who we are to put our trust in, how then do we put our trust in him? Notice, with your whole heart, with complete self. With all of your heart. That word heart means mind, it means emotions, and it means will or volition. We are to put our trust in him with our whole heart. We are to come to him open-fisted, open-hearted, and open-minded, and lay everything at his feet and surrender control over everything to him and to him alone and let him dictate and determine the future of 2023 and the rest of our lives. That's not an option for us. An example that I want to look at is found in Matthew chapter 19. If you want to put your finger in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you can, but turn with me to Matthew chapter 19, verse 22. I want us to look at one verse, verse 22. I want to set this up before I read it. It is an example of what we're talking about. We have a rich young ruler who interrupts the journey of Christ, and he asks Christ the question. He said, what good thing must I do in order to guarantee to ensure that I have eternal life? And Christ said, well, you need to obey the commandments. He says, which ones? So Christ gives him a list, not a complete list, but a short list of just a few of the commandments. And upon hearing that, the man then responds to this challenge that Christ has issued to him. He said, I have done that since I was a youth. I have fulfilled the requirements of the law. Well, if he had, why is he still asking about what must I do to be saved? Obviously, he's not secure enough in his salvation to know that he's put his complete commitment in all of those commandments. Christ then says, well, here's what I want you to do then. If you think that you've fulfilled the obligation that God has given you, I want you to go and sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. Notice his response to the sovereignty of God. When the young man heard, verse 22, this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. It is true this man had a heart problem. Maybe he loved money more than he loved God, but I think it's a deeper issue than that. I think this man had a self-confidence issue. He was putting his confidence, his faith, his trust, his hope, his belief in himself and what he could provide for himself, and he did not want to trust God with his future. I think all of us, if we are honest, have a problem just like this man. It's hard for us to really completely trust God with everything, isn't it? It's a hard thing to do. It's easy to profess that we want to do it. It's hard to practice that as a reality. And here we see in this text that a man is not willing to do that. And we, I think, like him, sometimes struggle with this truth. And yet God tells us that as we embrace today and move forward into tomorrow, we must trust the Lord with everything with your finances, with your future, with your business, with your marriage, with your children, with everything, to lay it all on the line, to lay it at his feet, open-handed, open-minded, open-hearted, to be able to give God complete and total devotion. Once we then have recognized that God is sovereign, that he wants us to trust him with all of our heart, 
It's important that we lean not on our own understanding. We must not only recognize his sovereignty, but we must rest in his understanding. We accomplish this this incredible feat by resting in God's understanding, not on our own. And here's the reason why I think most of us have a hard time trusting the Lord. It's because we have an understanding that is often conflictual or different than God's. And that's why God, in this parable, through King Solomon, giving advice to Rehoboam, helps us understand that our trust thing is basically a problem with ourselves and our own perception and our own reality. Because what we often perceive is not reality. Did you know that? Your perception is not always reality. Look at the person to your left and your right and say, he's talking about you, he's not talking about me. Okay? Perception is not always our reality. Why? Because we lack understanding. Notice he says, and lean not on your own understanding. That word and is a conjunction that links what has been said to what is about to be said. In other words, there is a progression here that God is helping us understand that in order for us to trust in God with all of our heart, there's something we must avoid. They're linked together. They're inseparable. There's a movement of progression forward. And in order for us to do that, we must not lean on our own understanding. To lean means to lean on. You are leaned on something for security, uh, for rest? You're relying upon this to hold you up, the chair that you're sitting in, you're resting in, believing that this chair has been manufactured well enough to hold your weight. And most of us are probably have a New Year's resolution to lose a few pounds, right? And we, we trust in things. But here... The trust is in the Lord, and our trust is not in our own perception, but in a reality of who God is, to lean not, to not rely upon, rest in, put confidence or trust or belief or hope in our own understanding, our own insight, our own perception, our own presupposition as to what our reality is, our own skill, our own experiences. For often there are many times when we or face whatever is, is about to be introduced to us at any moment, especially in 2023, we're going to be tempted to analyze it, to assess it, to develop a strategy as to how we're going to move forward and bring it down or conquer it, overcome it, or to meet the challenge, don't we? That's also true in a, an event in the Old Testament in Joshua chapter 7. Let me invite you to turn to Joshua chapter 7. I want you to look at just two verses. Actually, one verse, verse 3. Joshua 7, 3. Let me set it up for you, if I can. God's people have crossed over and are advancing into the promised land. By chapter 7, they have already encountered, as they have moved forward in possessing that which God had promised, a city called Jericho. It is a fortified city, unpenetrable, they believe, and they have sent spies who have come back with a report and said, there's no way in the world that we're ever going to see the victory over this city. It's just impossible. Well, we know what happened. They consult God. God gives them a strategy. They implement that strategy, and they march around the city of Jericho. And eventually the walls come tumbling down. There's an incredible victory that takes place. And if you can imagine the celebratory Relate, uh, the, 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 the thing that happened in this city as they were celebrating this incredible victory that seemed insurmountable and impossible to overcome, there was one thing that God asked them to do is to give all the spoils of Jericho to him. But a man named Achan decided that he was going to take some of those spoils for himself, and he took some of them, hid them, put them in his tent, and thought he got away with it. 
Well, by Joshua 7, you see, they are now, in order to advance forward, come across a city called Ai. Ai is a small city. It seems insignificant by Jericho's standards. They send some spies to Ai. The spies come back. And upon their report to Joshua and the army of God, notice what they propose they do as they move forward toward Ai. Verse 3. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. You see, they assess the situation in their perspective. There's no way in the world that we need to take the whole army up there. They are small. They're insignificant. They don't really matter much. It's not anything like Jericho. We've got this. Anywhere in this passage in chapter 7, do you find them consulting God? No. Because you see, by this incredible victory over Jericho, they believe that they are invincible. There's no way in the world that this city could ever stop them in occupying what God had promised. And so they attack the city with their own strategy. What we learn after verse 3 is they take 3,000 men up there. And as these 3,000 men attack the city, they run in defeat with their tail between their legs, having 36 men killed in the process of the battle. And the entire nation of Israel winds up completely disrupted and despondent and depressed because of the defeat. Had they consulted with God before they attacked the city, they would have known that their assessment was not accurate. They would have known, I believe, God would have revealed to them that there was sin in the camp and God's not going to honor sin as they move forward. What they did after this, they confronted Achan and dealt with the sin in their camp. It was a repentance upon their hearts and their lives and their relationship with God. But it would not have only been revealed that there was sin in the camp, but they more than likely would have had a different perspective regarding how to attack or how to confront the city of Ai. You see, I think sometimes we're a lot like these people in Joshua chapter 7. We see something and we assess it. Our assessment tells us that we've got this. By our experience, by our education, by our insight, by our ability, by our skills, we can do this. We don't really need God. And as a result of that assessment, we implement our strategy only to fail because we have failed to realize that we need to confront God, not just the big things of life, but the reality is we need to see God in all things in life, even the small things that we might call insignificant, the things that we think that we can rely upon our own skill and our own ability. The reality is you don't have the skill or the ability even to take the next breath that you're breathing right now without God. And yet we often move forward without Him in many aspects of our lives. And that's why he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding as you move forward into 2023. But he says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. How do we move forward? How do we navigate into what's next in 2023? We, need, we do so by responding to God's guidance. We need God to guide us. We need to look to him for that guidance. And it says in the text, in all your ways... Acknowledge him. Some of your translations may have acknowledge first. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And I think that, that that's probably a pretty good interpretation of what God intended in this passage because you see the word 
acknowledging God means that I only acknowledge God for who he is, where he sits, where he reigns, what his right is over my life as sovereign God. But it implies a relationship with God in which you and I are intimately connected to him on a personal level where we only, not only know who he is, but we know where he is leading us. You cannot know what your next steps are, what the navigation that you need to receive and what you need to follow will be unless you intimately connect to God on a fellowship, personal, intimate, love relationship level of being so close to him that you then develop what the Bible calls the mind of Christ in knowing the will of the Lord. We need to look to the Lord for guidance. And so as we acknowledge him, we are to do that in not some of our ways, but in all of our ways. In every single aspect of this journey in which God is navigating us, showing us somewhat the the voice that's directing us as to how to travel and where to travel and what our destination is, we need to look to God to guide us and to direct us so that our ways are his ways. And so he says to us, we need to, in all your ways, acknowledge him. How do we do that? Turn to John chapter 6, verse 5 through verse 14. It's primarily verse 6 that I want us to look at together. There's an example of that in John chapter 6, the New Testament example of Christ and his disciples. He crosses over to the Sea of Galilee to get away from the crowd, and as soon as he arrives, guess what? The crowd who has followed him, the Bible says, because they have seen miracle after miracle and sign after sign about his potential and his power and his ability to heal people, they are gravitating to him, and large crowds are following him. He sits on a hill, and during this time... It's the Passover, and it's time for food. It's time to eat. And he turns to Philip, and he asks Philip, where in the world are we going to find food to feed this multitude of people? But notice in John 6, verse 6, notice what Jesus says here. He said this to trust him, for he himself knew what he would do. He said this to trust him, For he already knew what he was going to do, even before he asked Philip. He already knew what he was going to do, but he put Philip to the test. You know, I think there's a real test here sometimes when you and I are navigating into the unexpected in 2023. Does the Lord already know what he's going to do? Does he? Are you sure? You convinced of that? You sure he knows? See, I'm convinced that God sees the past, the present, and the future all at the same time. He's not bound by space or time like you and I are. He's not finite like we are. He's infinite, and his perception, his presence, his knowledge is, is unending. And he says to pass the present and the future all the time. He knows what your tomorrow is going to bring. He already has planned and purposed and predetermined what you are going to experience, what you're going to face, what the outcome will be regarding your life, and he's going to put you through the test Because he already knows what he's going to do. And when he invites you to join him, he already knows what he's going to do in 2023. And it's important for us to trust in the Lord with all our heart, to lean not on our own understanding, our own perception, our own skill, our experience, our own insight, but to acknowledge him in every step of the way as we implement the strategy that he has guided us to implement. Once we do that, There's a promise in this text. It says, and he will make straight your path. 
That word and is a conjunction. It links the responsibility that we have done in order to follow then what God is inviting us to do. And if we will do this, there is a promise that will happen. It's not that we are manifesting or making God fulfill what he has promised, but God gives us then the reward of the responsibility that we have implemented in exercising what he has required us to do. And he will make straight your path. Who's the he? Who's the source? Not you. Not me, not us together. He is our source. Yahweh, God, is the one and the only one who will accomplish and fulfill what he is saying. And he, God, Yahweh, sovereign, king of kings and lord of lords, will make straight. That word will is a promise and God fulfills his will. He will make straight. What will he do? He will make straight. That word make straight means that it will be as straight a line as possible with as few obstacles and opposition as can be. In other words, what he's saying to us is that along this journey, this path that we're on, there are going to be obstacles. I don't know what your 2023 is is going to bring, but more than likely as you make this journey, as you travel this path that God has for you to travel, There are going to be some obstacles that are going to come in your way, and you're going to look at those obstacles and evaluate those obstacles and wonder how in the world are we going to overcome the obstacles that are before us. And yet when we look to God, we trust Him with all of our heart, right? We lean not on our understanding, but if we acknowledge Him in all our ways, He will take care of the obstacles. He is the source. He is the strength. He is the one that will straighten out the obstacles and remove the barriers that, be, that would prevent us from seeing the reality of God's will and God's work in our lives. Not only will he take care of the obstacles, but I think he also will take care of the opposition. But you and I need to expect opposition. There's an enemy out there, and he will bring opposition in trying to prevent the realities and the will and the plans and the purposes that God has ordained for us to enjoy and experience in 2023 from becoming reality. But it is He and He alone that takes care of our our oppressor and the one who opposes us. He is the one who does that. You and I don't have to fight the battle on our own. We have someone who fights for us. And it is He who will take care of the opposition and the opponent that would create havoc in our lives that is designed to keep us from enjoying and experience all that he wants us to receive from him. There's a beautiful example of that in in Matthew chapter 14. I want you to turn to Matthew 14, verse 31 through 32. Let's look at an example of that in Matthew 14, verse 31 through 32. Let me set us up. Jesus has invited his disciples to get on a boat and to cross the other side, the Sea of Galilee, to meet him there. They have done what he has asked them to do. He's, they've set out to sail. They're doing what Christ has commanded them to do. They're on their way to the other side to meet Christ there. He goes up to a mountain to pray. He needs some time for solitude and some personal time alone with just he and the Father. Nighttime falls, and it's time for him now to go down to the sea. The only way to cross the sea to find his disciples who are in the midst of a storm, by the way. It's a storm 
of a lifetime. It's a storm that many of them have heard about, if not experienced maybe before, because some of them were fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. Maybe some of their friends and relatives and loved ones have died in such a storm. The storm is of such magnitude that, that, that many on the ship believe that they are going to die. In the center of God's will, this storm is bringing fear upon these fishermen, these expert sailors. Just a side note here, if you think that the journey that you're on in 2023 is not going to be without hardship or difficulty, tough decisions, these guys are in the center of the will of God with a storm brewing. They're not outside of God's will. They're inside of the will of Christ. He's the one that commanded them to get on the boat and cross the sea. And if Christ knows the past, the present, and future all at the same time, he knew they were going to be in a storm when he sent them out, and yet he sent them out. So never think that you're outside of God's will just because there's some difficulty in your life or some hardships and the decisions that are tough for you to make, and you may be filled with fear and thinking that you're not going to survive, but Christ is on the way. He knows where you are. He has sent you to where you are, and he is coming as he did for these disciples because he begins to walk on the water. You know the story well. You've probably heard it in Sunday school or maybe in a time of devotion or maybe another message before from another pastor. He comes walking on the water, and they see this figure, and what do they think it is? It's a ghost, they said. And so he tries to calm their fears and said, no, 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 it's not a ghost. It is I, the Lord. John turns to Peter and said, it's the What does Peter do? Opens his mouth and inserts his foot, doesn't he? Like he does all the time. If you don't know who I'm talking about, you're probably that person. And he said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. What's he thinking? The storm of a century. Most of them afraid for their lives, thinking they're going to die on this boat in the center of the will of Christ. And he's saying, Lord, if it's you... Even though there's a storm, call me and I'll come. And he steps out of the boat. Now, I said in the early service, and I'm going to tell you in this service too, I think the disciples may have helped him out. <laughs> They're probably tired of Simon Peter always being the first one to do you know, these things like this. And so Peter may have been kind of leaning on the side of the boat, and they went, let me help you out, Peter. You know what I'm saying? Kind of gave him a nudge. No, that's not rea- It's not scriptural, by the way. But I just imagine that maybe they wanted to do that. And Simon Peter, upon the command of Christ, steps out of the boat. And the storm of a lifetime walks on the water. The winds and the waves have not calmed. They're as violent as they were before. And he's walking on water. And what happens? You know the story. He takes his eye off Christ and begins to feel the wind and the waves and begins to be filled with fear once again, even in the presence of Christ, it begins to sink. And about the time the water and the waves hit that bottom lip, he reached out and he said, Lord, help me. And notice the scripture in verse 31. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, is this going to strike you as weird? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? The 11 disciples didn't even step out of the boat. They didn't ask to walk on water. Simon Peter had enough faith to say, Lord, if it's you, command me to come, and I can walk on water. And Jesus said, come, and he stepped out, and he walked on water in the midst of the storm of a decade. I mean, that's faith, isn't it? And yet he took his eyes off Christ and began to sense the danger of the moment and realized the inevitability and the 
the miracle of what he was experiencing and began to doubt. But notice verse 32. Don't miss this. This is, this, I think sometimes this is often missed in this story. And when they got into the boat, the wind what? What does it say? The wind what? Come on, church. Say it together. The wind what? The wind ceased. The wind and the waves and the storm didn't stop when Peter stepped out of the boat and, in, and, and, and received the invitation of Christ and exercised faith to walk on the water. He was walking on the water in the midst of the storm. And yes, while he doubted for just a moment, the Lord immediately picked him up and arm in arm they walked back to the boat in the midst of the storm, and the storm did not cease until they got into the boat. I don't know about you, but that helps me understand. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He will make straight your path. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what you're going to go through in the future in 2023. But I know that Jesus is in the midst of the storm or the life that you're going to live and the experiences you're going to have. He is with you. He is there and he is present. He sees. He knows you by name. He has called you to where you are. He has planned and he has purpose and he has predetermined what 2023 will bring. And all we have to do is exercise our faith, cry out to him, and immediately... We not only have his presence, but we have the promise of his power because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. He fulfills his promise. If we will, in 2023, move forward in this year, trusting in the Lord with all our heart, leaning not on our own understanding, Acknowledging him in all of our ways, he will, he will make straight our path. Father, thank you for the joy and the privilege and the opportunity we've had on this day to be challenged by this verse. And God, I pray that as we hear the truths of this verse, this parable, this proverb, these scriptures that you have given us, that we will take heed to these words, that we will hear your instruction, that we will learn from your instruction, and we will apply these principles as we move forward into 2023. Lord, some of us, as I spoke to one or two this morning, are already going through turbulent times in their lives, unexpected things, difficult decisions, things that are happening. Some of us in here this morning are right there with those that I spoke with this morning. We don't really know what's going to happen in the future in 2023. It's been a turbulent couple of years. But Lord, we know who you are. We know that you're sitting on a throne. We know that you are sovereign, that you are God, that you are Lord, and that no one can thwart your plans, your purposes for us. And Lord, even though we may be in the valley of the shadow of death, or even if we're walking through a difficult storm or a difficult decision just today or tomorrow. We know who holds our tomorrow, and we know that you're present and you're more than capable. Lord, thank you for being there for us. Thank you for leading us, for guiding us. 
Help us not to rely upon our own understanding, but acknowledge you in all of our ways as we put complete confidence and trust, faith, hope, and belief in you with all of our heart. With your head bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment, would you just reflect upon our study this morning, what God may be speaking into your life and your heart today, wherever you are or wherever you're going? What is he speaking into your life and heart today, about today or about it's tomorrow? Maybe you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ and accepted him as your Savior and Lord. Today is that day. Maybe you've already done that, but you're having a hard time trusting him with your today. If you can trust him your salvation, you can trust him with your life, with your everything. In a moment, as Mike comes to lead us, as we share the Lord's Supper together, I pray that you would see that he not only guarantees your salvation, but he will make straight your path. God, thank you for this time together. Use it to magnify and glorify your son, Jesus Christ, as we seek to fulfill all that you have planned and purpose for us in that responsibility of trusting you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from The Trails Church. We hope you have been encouraged, equipped, and edified by time spent together in God's Word. And again, if you'd like to find out more about The Trails Church, visit our website, thetrails.org.